I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. On today's episode, we have a special conversation with me and my wife, Erica, on marriage and relationships. Um, but my wife was pretty mad at me because uh, I kicked some dropped ice cubes under the refrigerator, but now it's just water under the fridge. Wait, <laughs> is that like water under the fridge? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. <laughs> We've, I don't, you obviously don't know this, but this is our third attempt at this episode and I've had to come up with dad jokes for each one. But you've probably noticed the difference in the fact that my wife laughs, laughs at my silly jokes and Jenna just tells me how bad they are. So oh. I have two I have two very reasonable approaches to that. Okay. Jenna's very realistic and you're very kind. idealistic and kind and supportive <laughs> in that sense. Not that she's unkind, but it's a different kind of kindness. True. Just bringing me back down to earth. True. So uh, as I said in the intro, this is a special episode. Eric and I are going to talk about our marriage, our relationship. Tony and Jenna are going to do an episode like this too. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you can get to know us a little bit, but also, you know, we have a little bit of experience and advice to maybe give on things like dating, relationships, marriage, um, new parenthood, mm-hmm. uh, natural family planning. So we're going to talk about yeah. a little bit about a lot of those things um, and just kind of let you get to know us a little bit. But you know me, so let me introduce you to my wife. This is Erica, my wife. Hello. And you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. So like Matt, I grew up in Lake Arrowhead. I was born on the mountain and raised there. Um, my family went to church every Sunday, so I'm a cradle Catholic. My mom was the church secretary. My dad was the music director, so I was always at church. And <laughs> that just really, I think, kind of impacted me as a kid and helped me stay Catholic when I went off to college. And I went up to Monterey, and then I came back um, after three years uh, because I actually started dating Matt and that was a big reason why I moved home and also the Monterey didn't have the major that I was going to end up majoring in so that was another big reason to move home. <laughs> <Yeah>. So God <laughs> um, kind of brought you back and he did. brought us together yeah. He did and now I teach English. I don't I mean I'm a college professor I'm sorry yes. <laughs> I'm supposed to say that yes and yeah. You earned it. I Thank you dear. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and things you like, things, hobbies you have? Hobbies I have include watching British television shows, mm-hmm. um, hanging out with our kid, I love hiking, I love cats, and I love Harry Potter. Nice. I think that pretty much wraps me up. That does describe you pretty well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> awesome. So um, we just kind of want to talk about our story yeah. and... Um, kind of focus in on different points and, and talk about, you know, what we've learned and, and how we were intentional about being in a relationship, mm-hmm. dating, getting engaged, getting married, having a kid, mm-hmm. um, the joys, the struggles, like the kind of honest conversation about how all that was, not right. sugarcoating any of it, but just kind of being real with what we experienced. And um, But also to encourage you, like if you're listening to this and you you really are thinking maybe you're being called to that vocation of marriage, um, how to go about it in a way that's really helpful and beneficial and in line with, um, you know, what we believe as Catholics, or even if you're listening to this as, you know, a Christian, mm-hmm. um, you know, how to do that in a healthy way and keep Jesus at the center yeah. um, and kind of focus in on those different stages of a relationship and how you can do that in each stage. So yeah. um, 
as Erica mentioned, she grew up in Lake Arrowhead. She was born and raised there. Um, and I, that's obviously where I grew up. So we were from the same town. Mm-hmm. Um, and Erica, you were friends with my little sister yes, growing was. up. And so our paths crossed, but we didn't really know each other that well growing right. up. We knew of each other and yes. saw each other. Our, par- our families knew each other and were at a lot of the same functions because mm-hmm. of the church. My dad sang in the choir and your dad was the cantor. Yeah. And so they knew each other. Um, but we didn't really, we went to the same high school. We did. I was a senior when you were a freshman. Yes. We did not hang out. No, we did not. <laughs> um, we ran in slightly different circles. Slightly um, like a good word. And well, and you, you know, like my experience being Catholic was very loose growing up. I didn't get baptized till I was like eight or nine. We didn't start going to church until around that time. Mm-hmm. And then I would do like the Sunday school thing, but we would only do, we'd only go to mass when my dad was singing in the choir. Mm. Uh, and if it was vacation or he was sick or he didn't feel like going, then we didn't go. And right. so I always thought it was just like, oh, we're going to support dad. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what it meant to be Catholic or why we went to church or who Jesus was. Not until much later, until, you know, a string of kind of unfortunate tragedies happened in my life that really caused me to reassess what was important uh-huh. and led me on a journey that brought me back to the church. Right. Um, which is kind of what allowed both of us to meet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, I was in ministry, um, at the church, um, that I worked at up in Our Lady of the Lake, the church that we both went to growing up. Yeah. And one summer you came back from Monterey to join our worship band for the summer. And mm-hmm. I had already been in it for a couple of years and, that's kind of how we reconnected and yeah. um, started dating a few weeks later. Yes. Um, so talk a little bit about that. But I want to talk about um, where where were you at in terms of relationships, discerning marriage, what you thought your vocation might be before that like re-meeting, before we met and started yes. dating. Okay. So we started dating in July and the September before... Before we started dating, I got my heart broken really badly um, and was just really not interested in dating anyone. And um, I decided I was just going to date Jesus and just be really intentional with dating Jesus and kind of trying to figure out who I was as a person. And then two weeks before we um, like re-met at the first mass we played at in the band, I had gone to Europe for the first time and that really just changed my life dramatically. And so I just really wasn't looking for anyone to date. And then I remember walking into church that night and just seeing you and just, it was like a lightning bolt, like hit me. And I remember just looking at the crucifix and being like, no, Jesus. And I argued with Jesus the whole way down the aisle to like go meet you at the band. And I was like, no, Jesus. Yes, he's cute. But no, I don't want to date. No, no, no. And then it just, yeah, we just started dating. Yeah. So that idea of like dating Jesus, <laughs> yeah. you could also consider that maybe like a dating fast. Like that's more common yes. I think to hear now is that some people will decide like, okay, it's, I, I need to really work on my own relationship with God or I need to reshift my focus because mm-hmm. maybe I've been in toxic relationships or I've been hurt by them mm-hmm. or I'm not in a healthy state to date for whatever reason. And so I need to just kind of remove that from my life for a little while to just focus on different things, right. which is a very healthy thing to do. Um, and so that's another way to kind of say that. Cause right. I think that's more common vocabulary now. Got Someone it. will say I'm going on a dating fast and, but that's more also, you can apply that to the secular world. So mm-hmm. the way you said, like I'm dating Jesus is kind of, I'm, would be like, you're fasting from dating in a, in a Christian sense because you want to focus on your relationship with God Yes. and your other important relationships that are permanent, like your friends and right. or your long-term friends and yes. your family. Um, and then really kind of reprioritize and see, you know. 
yeah. figure out who you are outside of dating or looking for someone to date for the wrong reasons. Right. Or if it was toxic and you want to just kind of recover. Yes. And yeah. like I wasn't, I wasn't looking to, like if someone were to come along, I wasn't really looking for that. Because I did have like guys ask me out between those, between the breaking up and then dating you. And I was just like, no, I'm really, I'm not interested. Yeah. And then, I don't know, there was just something obviously there that made me say yes to you. Yeah. I think God clearly showed me that yeah. right path, but yeah. So yeah, and then for me, like I I lived on the mountain and lived in the same house, um, lived with my parents till the day I got married, like, and <laughs> I was going to college and um, I had lost my best friend a couple weeks before my high school graduation and that spurred me on this religious journey yeah. after I had left the church from getting, after getting confirmed. Um, and so I belonged to a lot of different churches for a while, but I was still playing, I got asked to play music in the band at Our Lady of the Lake. And I kind of originally saw that as a way to keep my friend's memory alive because his funeral was at that church. Mm. Um, we'd been in a band together already. And so that was, I kind of did that for him and it seemed like, it seemed just right. You know, they started that, that youth mass and that band just, I want to say like a, within the month after AJ passed away Mm -hmm. and it just, it was just so easy for me to say yes for some reason, even though I really didn't like going to that church. Um, and so I started getting involved and the people were great. They were really welcoming and really, you know, joyful people. And that, um, made it easier for me to be there on a weekly basis. And at the same time I was searching, you know, for something more. And then my, my whole conversion basically, you know, happened through more invitations to be involved at the Catholic church where Mm -hmm. I was serving and, um, then started serving like in a more full-time capacity. And then I was working there on staff. And so that's kind of what the situation was at the time when, when you moved back. Yeah. Yeah. I was working there, I think as a middle school youth minister. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was about to be moving to full-time as a youth minister for high school as well. Um, and you came home that summer to play in our band. And I remember the worship leaders saying like, hey, Eric is going to be joining our band. And I was like, oh, cool. I know her. And I think I messaged you on Facebook. You and did. I was like, hey, I heard you're joining our band. It'll be cool to see you. Like, I haven't seen you in a while. Um, you know, because you were friends with my sister growing up, like I said. And um, yeah. and then we talked a little bit, but very casually um, <laughs> on Facebook. And then when I saw you, I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is not the freshman in high school girl I remember. Yeah. And then I was really kind of smitten with you and I, I, it was really difficult for me to put words together in front of you. (laughs) So we messaged a little bit like when we were not together in person. And then I finally mustered the courage to ask you to coffee in person. Like three weeks later. (laughs) Like the next week you asked me to come pick up music at church. And I remember calling my cousin Dylan and being like, okay, I'm going to pick up music, like, what should I wear? Like, oh my gosh. And I remember leaving the house and my mom being like, where are you going? And I was like, oh, Matt's, I have music I got to pick up from Matt. And she's like, why are you dressed up? And I was like, I'm leaving. (laughs) I'm not dressed up. (laughs) Don't talk to me. And I was so scared. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so funny. I was so scared. Oh, man. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think the first time I attempted to ask you out the week before, I just like made a weird noise, like my voice cracked. And then I was just like, uh, and I just kind of passed it off. And I remember you looking at me kind of weird. You were like, uh, <laughs> but I, we're always smiling at each other, yes. um, during mass and stuff like that during practice. Um, so, and then we started, started dating, mm-hmm. uh, right? Well, I asked you out to coffee. Yes. Um, and I was five minutes late and you didn't let me. 
you'd never let me live it down for like a I few wasn't years. I was going to mention it. I because, wasn't going to mention it. And I was late because I was driving <laughs> my sister to the hospital. It's not like I was like, oh, I fell asleep. Like I was doing something important for my family. But you haven't brought that up in a long time. I, you know, See, so I wasn't I even going to mention it. I swear. <laughs> but... Nonetheless, we had a great time. We did. We ended up talking for hours. Hours. Uh, and just, it was effortless to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, and then it just, it kind of went on from there. Like, we just kept going on dates, kept hanging out, spending yeah. time together, um, always doing different things. Um, talk about what it was like when our parents found out that oh, we were dating. okay. So I'll tell about what Because <laughs> our par- parents- our families all knew each other before, but not with you yes. and I connected because you knew my sister. Yes. So, yeah. So, our first date, actually. My mom and I were supposed to go to see the new Twilight movie that was out, whatever one that was. And I remember telling my mom that we were going to have to move our little movie date because I was going on a date with someone. And I remember she was folding clothes. And she's like, who are you going on a date with? And I was like, oh, you know, Matt. And she was like, Matt who? She, like, stops folding. She's, like, looking at me. And I'm, like, you know, like, Matt Semenek. She literally throws, I think, the underwear on the bed, walks out to the living room where my dad was sitting watching TV. And she's, like, Eric, do you know Erica's going on a date with Matt? And my dad was, like, Matt who? (laughs) (laughs) And my mom's, like, Matt Semenek. And they both come in the bedroom and they're, like, what? And I was, like, yeah. And they're, like, how did this happen? And I was, like... I don't know. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. Yes. Yeah. Our town is small. Very small. <laughs> well, the mountain is small. Because it's small. it's isolated from all the surrounding cities because of the elevation. Yeah. And, you know, but also it's, you know, one high school, one middle school for the most part. There are some yes. kind of secondary options, but everybody knows everybody. And yeah. you can't leave the house without seeing somebody you know. Um, and so it was very, it spread like wildfire, I think. What was really funny was <laughs> we had been dating. So how my parents found out was we had gone on a few dates and I think we'd been dating like casually, like going on dates for like a week. And then, um, my parents were coming home. And so we went back to my house and we're just waiting for them to come back. We're sitting in the living room. Uh, I think we're going to watch a movie. I made some popcorn. You were playing um, piano. Oh yeah. I was playing piano. And then. You were sitting on the couch and yeah. then I went to do something and then my my parents came home and my mom came in and she's like, hey Matt, hey Erica Ann. <laughs> and then like you could see the wheels turning like, I know you, you're friends with Kelsey, Kelsey's not here. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And it was just like, and then my dad came in, he was like, hey, oh, hey Erica. And then just yeah. like kept walking and I was like, thanks dad. Yeah. So... Um, my mom got the hint a little, little easier, but yeah. yeah. And then we, we started dating and we were, we were dating for a few months, um, and just kind of casually, Mm -hmm. you know, um, dating, hanging out, you know, discerning if this was something that was a serious relationship. Um, and so I don't know, maybe we should talk about that. How do you, you know, as a Catholic, like Mm -hmm. what are some tips we have maybe for, for people, for dating or discerning if um, a relationship is ready to move from that, like we're casually hanging out and getting to know each other, mm-hmm. going on like, um, going on dates into like, okay, now we're in a committed relationship. Yeah, that's a great 
comment. Yes. Well, there's this great documentary. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's called The Dating Project. Mm. It's not a Catholic documentary, but it's put out by, I think it was formulated by like a Christian production service, but mm. it's all surrounding this um, professor at Boston College named Carrie Cronin. And she, um, I think teaches psychology or sociology or something like that. And she has this project that she started having all of her students go through because she was noticing kind of the toxic hookup culture of college campuses and how it was affecting the psychology of students and how they were interacting with each other. And she wasn't trying to like resurrect the old like courtship type of thing necessarily. Like you see someone, you're like, Elsa, I'm going to marry that girl. You know, like I know I've only known her for five minutes, but she's going to be my world, my everything. You know, like you see in old black and white movies. But she was, she had these kind of intentional rules. Uh um, And she has like a level one date, a level two date, and a level three date. Mm. And a level one date is like your first few dates are very casual. They're only meant to be 90 minutes or less. Um, There's no physical contact other than an A-frame hug, which is like, you're not like pressing up against each other, you know, that's like, it's like, like, or like when you're like, just, just like this, you know, you're, no one can see us, but like your butt sticking out a little bit. There's not like, that's, well, that's the most physical contact you can have on a level one date. I just prefer a handshake. Or that, you know, that's less obviously, but that's like the maximum. Got it. So like, can't be more than 90 minutes. You have to ask them out in person. Okay. If you ask, you pay. Mm-hmm. It has to be $10 or less. Okay. And there can be no alcohol or drugs involved. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, like, for us as Catholics, that's obvious. But this is, like, she's a secular, doing this in a secular campus. So okay. it's not, it's, there's no religious motivation behind it. She's mm-hmm. just saying, like, sociologically, like, this is a healthy way to date. Sure. And to discern if this person is worth dating. And then the conversations are very casual. You're uh-huh. not talking about intense romantic um, ideas or whether or not you want to have kids or, you know, uh, your ideal relationship or your past relationships. Mm-hmm. You're just getting to know each other and like what your passions are and what you like to do and who you are and things yeah. like that. And so it's it's a very, um, it's a great documentary. I encourage everyone to watch it because it, it kind of makes you intentional about um, what a date is mm-hmm. and takes a little bit of the pressure off, but also helps you to avoid pitfalls Mm -hmm. that you might potentially fall into. I think that thinking about like how you discern whether you want to go from just dating to relationship is if those conversations you want to have more, have deeper conversation. Yes. So if it moves from like, because I think on our first date we talked about traveling and how much we love that. And we talked about music because we both love Mm -hmm. that. And then it kind of gradually got to be these much more deep, you know, kind of conversations yeah. and I think that was one way I knew okay this is actually going somewhere because yeah. we're not just like surface level anymore yeah. we're really intentional and that's the other thing being intentional yeah. with our dating yeah um something we've always done even when we've been married we've intentionally dated I think yeah like uh going to a movie is a terrible first date yes because you're just sitting in a dark room not talking my first boyfriend he took me to see the breakup and I remember like <laughs> what a bad omen. I know. I remember sitting in the theater being like, "What are you trying to tell me?" That is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I broke up with him actually, so I, it worked out. But because then you'd be like, "Well, you gave me the idea, so this yeah. is your fault." Peace out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think making sure that you're intentional about it being a, a casual conversation, yeah. and that there's no expectation that this is suddenly going to jump ten steps. You know, right? Um, because if you think about like the hookup culture. 
that's a very vulnerable thing to do is to just like how interesting it is that people aren't willing to be vulnerable in a conversation mm-hmm. or risk just being rejected in person and going out of their comfort zone and asking yeah. someone, but yet they're willing to be vulnerable by like taking off their clothes and hooking up with someone and then never talking to them again. Right. And it's like, how are those, you know, and most people don't realize it, but when they hear it spelled out for them like that, they're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I've never because, thought of that before. Yeah, because that's a very intimate thing mm-hmm. and it's a very dangerous thing to enter into with someone you don't even know. Like yeah. think about the risk you're taking when you're doing that versus the risk of just saying in person hey do you want to go out on a date sometime and then saying no and they're just like well okay that's the worst that could have happened you know they said no and then i can walk away and go ask somebody else you know um you know maybe not immediately it's not like you have a list you're going down but like you know it's not the end of the world you didn't create this intimate connection and then later on try and see like okay is there something here because now i feel this connection because of all these hormones we've now exchanged Mm -hmm. you know um it's it's you're not complicated by the the internal body chemistry of it you're looking at it just intentionally as a a friendship hanging out in a group setting can be a good uh prelude to that um yeah yeah. i think you learn a lot of a person when you meet their friends yeah and like their group that they feel most comfortable with yeah um and that's something i've always really admired about you is your authenticity with whoever you're with like you are you no matter who is around Mm. and i find that very attractive um, in you where I feel like I have certain friends that I can be wild and crazy and weird with Mm -hmm. and other people I'm like, I would never do that around those people. (laughs) Right. But you would. And I love that about you. That's because I just have no shame. (laughs) I just think that's so beautiful, you know? Um, but in terms of like being Catholic or, or whatnot, I think like a good thing to do when you're dating and then want to get in a relationship is start, you know, maybe going to mass together, praying together, you know, finding things like that that you want to kind of start bringing into the relationship. I think it'd be weird, maybe it's not weird, but on, like, your first date, like, throw out your rosary and be like, all right, you know what I mean? But, like, start kind of doing things like that together. Um, Because when you get married, you need to do those things together. And that's a question we got asked, like, what, what, what's the difference or the benefit of being Catholic and dating someone else who's Mm -hmm. Catholic versus a non-Catholic. And there's, you know, non-Catholic can mean anything. It could mean Christian, non-practicing Catholic, could mean atheist. So there's a lot of different tiers to that. But, um, you know, it's really cool to have the benefit. There's a kind I don't know if this is still a tradition, but I think it was a tradition at like um, University of Steubenville, Franciscan in Ohio, um, that um, on first dates, um, people start their first dates with each other in the Adoration Chapel. Um, you know, and that's just because they know it's a common Catholic culture and they're being reminded Mm -hmm. like, we're both Catholic, like this needs to be the center of anything that we're entering into. Um, you know, and I hope that's something that's being entered into intentionally. It's not just like the token thing to do. Right. I mean, that might freak me out a little bit. Really? Even though you're like, had you been like, Hey, you want to go on a first date first? We're going to go to adoration and then Starbucks. I think I would have been like, ah, okay. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that would have been cool. Yeah. But I think I would have been like, oh, okay. But I mean, beyond that, like in terms of then dating. Yeah. And then knowing that we're both Catholic. Yeah. That helps, I think, in a lot of those initial conversations that need to happen. Because in the culture that we live in, like, you have to kind of have the sex and boundaries talk pretty early. Yes. If not on the first date. I mean, you were the first guy 
who I've ever dated who had the talk, who brought it up before I had to bring it up. Mm. And I remember being like, wow, like, awesome. This is great. Because <laughs> yeah. it's always really awkward, I think, for women to have to be like, so yeah. you're not getting any of this. <laughs> you still want to date me? Yeah. You know? And how vulnerable that is because yeah. in the culture that we live in, like, I imagine most women are preparing themselves for rejection in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. And like... A, the fact that you have to be the one courageous enough to bring it up. Mm -hmm. And B, knowing that a lot of the time it's most likely going to lead to it ending, you know, and then having to deal with the the emotional ramifications of that and wondering if like, oh, could I have done something wrong? And, you know, and the way women process those things are different than the way men process things. Men will be like, well, that's over, you know, like, because that's just the way our brains work, you know, not that we're emotionless, but like we experience it differently, mm -hmm. you know. And even if they, like, are like, oh, yeah, I respect you, I respect you, you're still in the back of your mind, you're like, really? Like, are we going to have to go through this again? You know what I mean? So I think having you brought it up, the fact you brought it up Mm -hmm. wasn't, was, like, reassuring for me. Like, okay, he really means this and is intentional with it. And I think a benefit of dating someone who's Catholic is then you're not the person who that whole commitment relies on. Totally. So like, let's say you're both in a tempting situation Mm -hmm. and you're the only one that's really adhering to that value. And the other person's like, well, I'm cool with that, but I I don't really agree. Right. The second you're tempted, they're not going to be the one holding you up (laughs) and saying, hey, no, we have to stick to this. You know, Um, there are some people who will do that, who Uh aren't Catholic, who aren't Christian, who just they respect and honor you as another person. I don't want to make it seem like only religious people are great people. No. And then there are people who are Catholic but or Christian, but only in air quotes. Right. And you'll have that conversation because you're supposed to. It's mm-hmm. the Christian thing to do. But then when temptation comes around, they're, you know, hurting more than they're helping. Uh-huh. They're kind of leading you down that path. Yeah. And so just because someone is Catholic or Christian, you know, they have to be able to back that up. Yeah. And I think those level one dates, those initial conversations determining how people interact to whether they're authentic, you can tell that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, being in a group setting, especially with their family or with their friends, as you go, like you can tell if, are they the same person here than they, than when they're with me? Are they, you know, um, I remember in some of my initial relationships, I was, I was terrified of certain groups in my life meeting each other, you know, (laughs) like my ministry friends, meeting my friends from high school who I was still hanging out with and doing the same things with. And my life wasn't like Jesus wasn't in every part of my life yet, you Mm -hmm. know? And just being like, gosh, I hope these people never throw a surprise party and both invite each other, you know? Like, I was always so paranoid of that. Um, And that's because I probably wasn't in a position where I was ready to date or ready to, like, do Mm -hmm. anything where I'm authentically presenting myself as a Catholic but not authentically living it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So... I think that's that's something that's really important and is key. And it's easier when you're dating a Catholic. Yeah. It's not impossible to date someone who's not Catholic. I was going to say that. Like, I think yeah. you shouldn't, like, oh, you're not Catholic? I'm not dating you. Yeah. I think it needs to be part of your, like, weighing process. Yeah. But... It needs to be something, and it absolutely needs to be something they are su- supportive of you in. Yeah. And that they're not belittling it. And they're not refusing to participate in it or learn about it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean they have to become Catholic. That doesn't mean they have to convert. Mm-hmm. But if you're really valuing it, like, um, and most people don't know this, um, in canon law, it actually mm-hmm. says that every baptized Catholic is bound by canon law to get married in the Catholic Church. Dang. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And so few people actually do. And so, really? like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So few baptized Catholics actually get married in the Catholic Church. No. Oh, oh Yeah. Yes, there's a very small percentage. I don't percentage. know anyone who's Catholic who hasn't gotten married in the Catholic. Well, we just know really awesome people. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So, huh. 
maybe I'm being a little more pessimistic, but it's, <laughs> you know, that's something that is part of who we are as Catholics. Like we want to experience that as sacramental. You don't have to both be Catholic to get married in the church. You right. both have to have had Christian baptism, a valid Christian baptism, yes. um, for it to be a valid sacramental marriage. Um, mm. however, you know, that, that always leads to the part in the marriage ceremony where you both have to agree to raise your kids in the Catholic faith. Yeah. Uh, and so that's something that ends up being part of that conversation. Like if you're dating someone who's not open to that or not going to support it, or they're fine with you doing it, but they're not going to advocate for that for future children, mm-hmm. that's a deal breaker. That's you know? interesting because when my parents got married, my dad wasn't Catholic, but mm-hmm. they got married in the Catholic church. Yeah. And then he became Catholic and he's been the biggest like rallier of Catholicism in my life. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's just an interesting thing. And that's because your dad, he... He's an honorable man. Like He's he honors rad. what his commitments are. Like, we shouldn't talk about my dad because I'll start crying. <laughs> but like that, you know, he made that commitment. Yeah. Even though he wasn't a baptized Catholic, and followed through on it yeah. so much so that it caused him to become Catholic, so that he could authentically raise you in it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just it's that's the commitment that we're making that we believe as Catholics is necessary. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a, an obstacle you have to navigate around if you're dating someone who doesn't understand that or who isn't right. raised in that. Right. It's not impossible at all. No. Um, you know, you, um, this is something that we've both done, but um, the list. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so you want to talk about what your dad sure. had you do? Yeah. <laughs> Another dad story. <laughs> um, I think it was after the bad breakup right before we started dating that my dad told me to make a list of things that I wanted in a future husband Mm -hmm. and then take that list and rip it up and throw it away and then make a list of things I really valued in myself and then look for a spouse with those qualities and I'd find someone who complimented me Mm. and there we go nice yeah I found you yeah so I really like that and I (laughs) what I did when I was looking for you know I was in a place where I was very intentionally praying for my future spouse for a long time before we met. And I would write letters to my future wife, um, anytime, especially anytime I was um, facing temptation and I overcame it. Uh-huh. Um, but along with that, I had a list of qualities that I, that I felt were non-negotiable in a future spouse. Mm-hmm. None of them were physical qualities. They were all kind of, I want someone who's an active Catholic and devoted to that. Um, I want someone who is going to be supportive of my passions, you know, things like that. Um, so they were very general, but they were all basically like about emotional support, spiritual support, those important things to have in common, um, open to having children, things like that. Um, and then when you mentioned that, I was just like, that's such a great idea because we both didn't match our lists perfectly. Like if you had a list, yeah, if you had a list of like, cause you ripped up and threw away that list, but I didn't match that list perfectly and you didn't match sure. mine. But if we both made a list of all the things we valued about ourselves, the other person honors, respects and supports that yeah. and compliments it or has something similar in them. Yes. Um, but at the same time, you and I are very, very different people. Like, like <laughs> stark opposites in a lot of ways in our personality no. and our habits and the way that we like see things in the world. <laughs> Um, and even like certain experiences we've had, but because our core values are the same being united in the Catholic faith, like that is a huge, Mm -hmm. um, like way we can lean on one another and that way we can just know 
without almost even discussing sometimes like what our stance is going to be on something that might affect our family. Yeah. Or, you know, if we have a complication in a pregnancy, what do we do? You mm-hmm. know, like we kind of already have a, a, a code that we adhere to together. Right. Um, and so that's the great thing about dating someone who's Catholic. Um, but above all, like they have to value that. They have to value that. And so any relationship, um, I love this quote by Jason Everett. He says, um, um, if you want to find the person that you're going to marry, run as fast as you can toward Jesus. And if someone catches up, stop and introduce yourself. That was us. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. even if we both weren't Catholic, that could have still applied to totally. us. Because if I'm, if I'm running in the right direction, if I'm running toward who I'm created to be, like the mm-hmm. best version of myself, whether I know it or not, I'm running at least in some sense toward Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I haven't realized that yet, but I am. Right. And so as long as I'm leading you there as well, and I'm, we're both converging upon the best versions of ourselves, eventually that's going to lead us to God. Mm-hmm. It's going to lead us to our relationship with Jesus, and he's going to be at the center of that. Okay. But people may be at different moments of realizing that in their life. Yeah. So I think that's just something important to realize. Like, It's not necessarily that the other person's Catholic or not. There are great benefits to that, and they have to be like authentically Catholic, not just air quotes Catholic. Mm-hmm. But... Um, they have to, above all, lead you closer to God or at least closer to becoming the person who God intended you to be if they are not really having a concept of their own relationship with God. Sure. But there's still a sense of openness and support there. Uh Um, You know, so, yeah. So uh, I think that really helps explain kind of like how we dated and how we were intentional about it. Um, What were some moments you think that were just really like um, important in our dating relationship that were really pivotal? In our dating relationship. Okay. Um, I think when we went to my grandmother's grave, mm-hmm. we had been dating for a year. And at that point, I think we pretty much knew we were going to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went and um, we got there and you just let me sit. She's buried on like this hill in San Pedro. And you just let me sit and be quiet and you cleaned up her grave. And just, it was a very beautiful act of like that kind of selfless sacrificial love and I just that was a big moment for me um other big moments in our relationship I'm thinking about the arboretum yes we went to the arboretum um, up in Arrowhead and I had this book I loaned it to someone and if you have it please give it back to me (laughs) um but it's it's called boy meets girl say hello to courtship and it's a book by a protestant guy named Joshua Harris and he himself has said like since he wrote that book, there's a lot that he learned and a lot that he didn't like about how he wrote the book. Huh. Um, but it has a lot of stories about courtship, which is basically like intentional dating, like mm-hmm. dating always with the idea that like you're discerning marriage and discerning if this person is someone you could eventually be married to. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, then just not wasting your time. You know, right. that doesn't mean you have to know by day one and date one, two, three, four, five should still be casual and getting to know them. But if you're seeing like, you know, you're out at dinner and they treat the waiter terribly, like, and they're just like a terrible person and they're, then they're putting on this front for you. Yeah. You can kind of tell like, okay, this person might not be a genuinely good person, you know, maybe not right for me. Or if they don't respect your faith and things like that, you can discern that. And then if you get to that point where like, okay, if I were ready for marriage right now, is this the type of person that I would be with? And if not, then no more relationship, no more dating. Mm -hmm. But at the back of this book. So he has a lot of stories about that type of stuff, about what courtship is. Um, but at the back of this book are eight sample dates that yeah. you can go on 
and they're all really creative, fun ideas, and they all have kind of a theme, and they have with them like a set of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I loved the idea. I didn't love the idea of being like, let's go on this date, and I'm going to bring my book, and we're going to have a discussion. So because yeah, one of the dates was like babysit together. Yeah, and it's like, s- we would kill one another and see like. <laughs> but what's what was cool about it was like it was like um, offer your services to watch um, some kids that you know for free. And while you're there, like, talk about, like, um, your plans for, like, how many kids you think you might want, your ideas about discipline, Mm -hmm. um, about raising children. Like, it was really creative in that. Um, And there was one that was, like, have a date for under $5 and talk about, like, what money was like growing up and, like, are you a budgeter or, like, what kind of, you know, like, getting an idea of, like, financial capabilities and stability that might be in a relationship. Um, And there's a lot of different other things. And so... We got Subway yes. and we went to the Arboretum and sat down on a picnic bench and for four hours we ready we answered every question for every date and we didn't Dude. go on any of the dates um, at least not intentionally like with the book with us we yeah. probably went on some of them later just by accident sure. you know but not not intentionally following the book's rules but um, after that conversation there was never anything that popped up even in marriage prep that was like oh my gosh, like, I didn't know that about you. Right. Um, it was such an intentional conversation that, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, even though we're so opposite, when we went through marriage prep, we did this assessment test. Yeah. And they separate you, and they try and deter- It's basically a test to determine if you're compatible. So it doesn't necessarily compare your answers to see how similar they are. Right. It compares questions that you are asked of you about your spouse mm-hmm. with the same answers they give about themselves. Right. So it says like, do you know what your spouse would answer about this question and vice versa? Mm-hmm. And it uses this whole like computerized system to ca- calibrate it. And they had never experienced anyone with as high a percentage of ca- compatibility than <laughs> us, even though like our personalities are so not compatible. Right. Um, but we were so good about communicating yes. and being intentional about the purpose of dating and really wanting to get to deeper information at appropriate times um, about the other person and like dig deeper and really get to know like what was, what was really the story of the other person, what their passions Mm -hmm. were, what their ideas for building a life looked like. And I think our opposites complement one another. Yeah. I think that's also one of the the big things about our relationship that works. Yeah. Is we complement one another. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're a good team. Yeah. High five. High five. Awesome. So, um, We, um, how did the, the idea, like, how do we know that the other person was the one? I know you've mentioned in the past that, that story of me at your grandma's grave. Yes. Um, and, and I've mentioned before, um, you know, I was, I was dating someone right before I dated Erica and it was a very like flash in the pan quick kind of, we went on a couple dates. Um, and then we kind of disappeared. Like we stopped talking, um, it fizzled. And then I met Erica a couple of weeks later and we were really hitting it off. And then all of a sudden this person moved back to Lake Arrowhead and was expecting a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I was really taken aback by it. And I felt really terrible because I felt like I had miscommunicated that I um, was, you know, now stuck between these situations. And I didn't know how to have any of the difficult conversations that I had to have um, without hurting anyone's feelings. And so... I took that as a sign that I was supposed to become a priest. Like God was wrecking my relationships and my potential <laughs> for relationships by uh, by doing that. So he would tell me that I would become a priest. So I ended up calling you and this other girl. Uh-huh. I called her first and she um, was so upset. Like she was just like, I can't believe this. I moved home for you. Like, wow. how dare you do this to me? Like, you know, why weren't you honest with me before? And I was like, I didn't even know you were moving home. Like, yeah. it's just this crazy <laughs> thing. So, but anyways, and then I had to call Erica, who I really was starting to like 
really have strong feelings for and we just had such a great beginning to our relationship and to Mm -hmm. our dating um and we were going on dates and like we weren't officially in a committed relationship yet but um we did that for about four months we were just kind of dating and getting to know each other really well and um this was maybe two months into that and i called you and told you that i was thinking about becoming a priest and you were like that's so awesome i'm i'm so proud of you like i'm praying for you like um, you know, I hope you know that I'm here to support you. And like, if, if maybe we need to stop hanging out or dating, then that's fine. But I, I you know, I'll research places with you. Like, and it, you were just so great about it. And <laughs> I just knew right in that moment, like God told me right in that moment, you're going to marry this girl. Don't mess it up. And so immediately on the phone, same conversation. I was like, well, I'm just thinking about it. Like, not really. I just wanted to put it out there. It was just kind of on my mind, but it's not really a big deal. Like, just forget I said it. Actually, I take it back. It's like no big deal. <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay. Like you sounded relieved, but like, um, it was just, it was so clear to me at that point. Like, this is the type of person that I want to be with for the rest of my life who would be willing to sacrifice her own feelings and happiness for me to pursue Jesus with all my heart. Like that's, and that is the story of our relationship. It just unfolded differently than I anticipated in that phone call. It would. And then, you know, God just allowed us being the right people for each other mm-hmm. or the right type of people for each other to lead to, you know, us and ending up getting married. Right. Um, and I don't even remember that conversation. Yeah. It's crazy. No, I have no <laughs> recollection of that yeah. at all. Like so, I knew you were thinking about becoming a priest, but that was, yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't, we're not saying that you have one person out there. That's the one. Right. There are plenty of people who probably could have been the one for Erica and I, yeah. um, you know, the one would have been someone who leads us closer to Jesus Christ and helps us be the person that he's calling us to be. And mm-hmm. a lot of people could be that. And it was, it's just more about a series of circumstances and choices and, you know, where we are and what we're discerning that we were in each other's lives at the right time. And, mm-hmm. and we ended up being the right person for each other, but it yeah. could have been, I feel like some people have that, like the one person, the one, my soulmates out there for me. And right. Sometimes like they'll think they found them and then they'll mess up and be like, well, is or the relationship doesn't work out. And they're like, well, is there anyone for me? It's like, yeah, there's potentially like, you know, 7 billion people. Well, <laughs> okay. Half of them are probably, um, the same gender. So like, you know, well, we won't get into that, but anyways, like, <laughs> you know, there's not everybody yes. is a potential and some of them right. are already married. Some of them are, you know, not of dating age, you know, the point is there's many, there's people. a lot, millions yes, potential ones for you. Um, it's more about, are they supporting you in the right way? Willing yeah. to communicate with you in the things that matter. And are they leading you ultimately closer to Jesus? Whether they understand what that means or not, it's just, are they supporting you in becoming the best version mm-hmm. of yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, what's most important. Um, so how was the transition for you getting married? Like us becoming married versus because like, so we were very, um, committed to our Catholic beliefs and our Catholic, you know, boundaries about dating and beliefs about dating. So we, um, decided that we weren't going to have sex until we were married, Mm -hmm. that we weren't going to live together until we were married. We Mm -hmm. didn't even sleep in the same bed until we were married. Um, you know, all those different things, you know, and then all of a sudden in one 24 hour span, all those things happen. Yeah. And how was that for you? Like, how did that how did marriage, like, what was difficult? What was cool about that? Yeah. So <clears throat> it was crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. It was just strange waking up the next morning and then rolling over. Cause we had that California King, remember? Yeah, in the honeymoon suite. And it was like, where are you? <laughs> uh, 
but like rolling over and being like, oh my gosh, we just slept in the same bed together and like had a different part of our relationship happen. Yeah. And then we had breakfast and went to my parents' house and it was just like, this is so weird because everyone knows like what happened. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a, th- a part of it that wasn't like taboo or anything no, because no, like no. part of us, whether you believe this or not, like we kind of know that there is an appropriate time for that. Like no one is sure. like, no one's like coming out the next day and like, I just had 16 white night stands in the past month. You know, like <laughs> no one says that cause they know there's something kind of, you know, secret or not right about that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we were very much of the belief that if you can't say no, then your yes means nothing. Yeah. And so us saying no to those things, living together, sleeping together, sleeping in the same bed, saying no to those things at the, the time when we were dating meant that we were saying yes to the other person because we're willing to wait for them or say like, I want to give you all of myself. I want to give you everything I am, my life, my vulnerability. I want to give you myself in the, uh, before the eyes of the entire world and God, before I can give myself to you in, you know, behind closed doors. Um, and not the other way around because Mm -hmm. otherwise it kind of makes leads to insecurity. Like nobody knows about this. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I know you're not doing this with somebody else? You know? Um, there's this sense of real commitment and honoring one another, um, that comes from waiting like that. But in no way did us deciding to wait make it easy. Yeah. Like there were definitely moments where I was like, we know we're going to get married. So like, why are we waiting? (laughs) I don't know if you remember those conversations, but I do. Yeah. Of just being like, we're home alone. Like nobody's here. Like. Yeah. And moments like that, we just kind of be like, all right, we need to go somewhere. Yeah. We need to do something else. Cause like, I always tell people this, like, you know, you're, if you find the person you're going to be married, marriage and sex are intertwined. Yeah. So you've found the person who you are meant to have sex with you're going to want to have sex with them before that time comes. It's not like a switch flies when you say I do and you're like, oh, suddenly I'm activated, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, and then you're supposed to bury and suppress that for yeah. like the entire years leading up to that. You're, you know that you have that desire for the other person. Right. But what it is, is about saying like, okay, well, nothing is going to be served by us doing that now. Like, yeah. there's no sense in, in skipping out on our commitment to one another just because we want the pleasure of that you know like it means something when we say yes before an altar before god Mm -hmm. to say yes to one another on the altar of a wedding bed because it's like the you know the we're receiving each other in different ways but in the same type of commitment i just think people like think like i think people have often thought i'm a very like um prude prude like religious they follow the rules kind of person but which I am. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> there's the truth to that. But I mean, when it came to like sex and stuff like that, like I feel like just because I said no and I was a virgin when we got married, mm-hmm. so I waited to have sex. Um, it didn't make it easy. I wasn't just like, oh, I'm not going to think about it. Yeah. Like I'm still... I was, I'm so holy. It's so easy for me to say no. Right. I yeah. was still like a hormonal teenage girl who grew into a hormonal teenage woman <laughs> who dated yeah. a really hot guy. So I'm glad we got married. You know what I mean? But it's just like, it didn't... It wasn't like, oh, well, it's not there. Yeah. And it wasn't like I was trying to like suppress it. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I have a certain... I I want to give myself to only one person. Yeah. And, it, and that was something else. Like it really didn't have to do... I mean, I didn't say, oh, I'm Catholic, so I have to do this. I've just always felt like I wanted to just do this. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's so funny how many people will be willing to be vulnerable for a one night stand. Like, think about how intimate that is. Like, you're taking off your clothes in front of a complete stranger who you do not know with any certainty is not a serial killer. (laughs) And entering into this moment with them and then never speaking to them again. 
but we won't enter into the vulnerability of maybe asking someone out in person and uh, being willing to go through that kind of dating phase and getting to know them. You know, instead we'll just use an app or texting or Snapchat Mm -hmm. or DM them or just, you know, uh, direct message. That's what that means. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) um, You know, so it's so interesting to me. And when you point that out to people, they're like, yeah, no, you're right. Like that is way more vulnerable, but we don't think about that because we're such a tech culture that like when we get into the social media and we have that mask on, there's not that sense of vulnerability. And so relationships escalate so fast. Mm -hmm. There's no traditional stages anymore that you become like, Oh, we're just going on hangouts and now we're like a thing. Right. And then, Oh, we're kind of hooking up. And and plus it's all about like, how do I feel? Like our culture is all about like, make sure you feel good. And so it's this physical thing. So I think that leads into that hookup culture because it does not feel good to wait. No, it doesn't. Like, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. But also, you know, if there are some people who wait, you know, because they're supposed to, and then their whole marriage is now like, okay, now we can have sex whenever we want. And that's what our, that's what getting married is about. And that's, that's not, not it true. either. You know, like, um, we'll talk, we should talk a little bit about natural family yeah, planning. Yeah, that's a great segue. Uh, because we practice natural family planning, which yeah, is yeah. Uh, a system that um, we do the Creighton model. There are different models of it. And the Creighton model was um, invented by a doctor and scientist um, with the last name Creighton. And so it's not like the rhythm method. It's not like this traditional medieval thing where you're just like, you're guessing when you're, you know, most likely not to have a kid. It's you're using biological and scientific observations that the woman makes and is trained to make about her body in communication with her husband that you can determine if it's a day where the woman is having a day of fertility or a day of infertility. Um, because men, we are fertile all the time. Erica doesn't like the word fertile. Um, women are not um, able to conceive Thank you. all the time. Uh, they have moments in their cycle when they are. Yeah. And so what the Creighton model can do is you can go to a Creighton model practitioner and they can teach you as a couple or you as a woman individually when you're single. I know a lot of single Catholic women who already practice NFP and mm-hmm. chart their cycle this way. So they know like and are used to what that looks like and can bring it right into their marriage. And I would just say like every woman already knows all of the things. Yeah. You just don't consciously probably think about it. Yeah. And you don't know the scientific or biological meaning of it. But right. once you know it, you're like, oh that thing that she's describing that you're going to look for, I've already seen that so many times. Yeah. Um, And so you're just kind of, it's putting a science to what you already maybe observe Mm -hmm. about your body. Um, and, and it's not that it's super easy. Like you have to constantly be communicating, but if you have an irregular cycle, if you have, you know, skipped periods, if you have, you know, endometriosis, like any different complications, there is still a way for you to do NFP with a really good degree of certainty. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, some studies have even shown that when people practice NFP, especially the Creighton model, um, with, um, the accuracy with which they're intended to, um, it can be two and a half times more effective Mm -hmm in preventing pregnancy than something like traditional birth control. That's not what it's meant to do. Um, it's not meant to be used as a contraception. What you're meant to do is determine, are we consciously ready and willing to bring a child into this world or not? However, there's always a sense that you could be wrong about a day of infertility and you're always open to the potential of life. Right. Um, because to be Catholic, when you get married, that means you're ready to have kids. There's no separation between those two things. Culturally there is. There are people culturally who get married in the secular world who are never ready to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would probably argue they're never ready to get married in the first place either. But, um, you know, in the Catholic sense of that word, marriage and children are intertwined. Right. So natural family planning is basically a way in which to be intentional about communicating 
we want to bring a child into this world now. Yeah, because I think a lot of people who... A lot of people who don't know a lot about NFP think, like, if you follow NFP, you're just going to have 10 children because you really don't know what's going on. Like, yeah. you're just going to go for it. And that's not it at all. No. Like, I don't think either of us want to just have kids, like, oh, well, we're just well, going to... And it wouldn't be financially responsible if we can't support them. It's just you not know? responsible in a lot of sense to yeah. just... Whatever. I mean, some people say it's irresponsible because of, like, overpopulation, and that's nah. not true. Like, you know, it's... Overpopulation doesn't exist. Overcrowding I was, exists. I was talking more of like emotionally. Yes. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Um, but where was I going with that thought? Um, so NFP is not for that, right? Like yeah. we still will choose like we probably want three or four children. Yeah. And through NFP we will do that. Yeah. If we happen to have more children, that's great. If we have less, that's... Yeah. There's always an openness to that happening. Right. You know? But we're not being like and this is in quotes, like irresponsible. Yes. Right? Yeah. There's a degree of certainty, a yeah. very high degree of certainty where we know when we want to be intimate with one another, we know with very, very high accuracy and 90th, you know, almost hundred percent accuracy that we, if we are intimate today, we will have a kid or we will be likely to conceive. Right. And if we're, or if we're intimate today, we will be unlikely to conceive because it's not a day of fertility yeah. for you. So, um, there are struggles with that. Like Erica has lupus. And so the whole first three years of our marriage, we had to be very, very careful about mm -hmm. what we were doing. And she was on medications that if she got pregnant, her and the baby could both die. Yeah. And so, um, we finally got to a point where we're off of those medications and then, you know, finally got pregnant and then ended up having a miscarriage and then another miscarriage mm -hmm. and then finally having Hannah. Um, and so it's, but without NFP, without a way to communicate about that and like a way to have maybe some answers as to why certain things happened or um, why we couldn't conceive in one cycle, you know, yeah. is so helpful, yeah. you know, but it doesn't mean it was easy, you know, no. like, yeah, I, I totally didn't realize how insensitive I um, even a question like, um, with people who have just gotten married or have been married for a while, like, Oh, when are you thinking about having kids? Yeah. That can be such an insensitive question. Cause I don't know if they're having a struggle, you know? And there were times when people asked us that yes. when I wanted to punch them in the face, right? you know? And it was like, right. I know, I know we've been married for four years and we don't have a kid. We're trying. We've been waiting right. to get to that point where we can for so long. Like our hearts were aching yes. for it. And it, it's just like, you know, so we, Jen and I want to do an episode on natural family planning yeah. at some point, but if you have questions about that, we have resources and people we can put you in touch with. I just want to say one final thing about yeah. it. I think it worked really well for us because I struggle with communication mm -hmm. and I think NFP, um, like if you do contraception, it's all on the woman, right? Like yeah. she's got to take it and that's it. NFP relies on both of us mm -hmm. talking about it mm -hmm. and being responsible for whatever outcome is going to happen. Yes, yeah. Right. And it reminds you that, like, marriage is not just about sex. Yeah. Like, one day, that's not going to be working for us anymore. Like, it may not, like, <laughs> we may not be physically capable. We when may not 90? be, it may not be we may not be physically able it may not be pleasurable anymore like yeah. and if that's all our relationship is about mm -hmm. then our relationship's going to fall apart and i think that's one of the benefits of waiting to have sex until marriage yes because we spent three years hanging out yeah you know what i mean like yeah wanting to do that but not doing it yeah and so if that we're not doing it with the frequency we would have liked yeah yeah and so if that leaves our marriage then you know yeah we're still cool. Yeah. I'll still exactly. love to sit on the couch with you. Yeah. And what's great about NFP too is they teach you about spice, which is like spice. 
other ways you can be intimate, which is, um, you know, spiritual, physical, uh, intellectual, communicative, and emotional intimacy, um, which stands for spice, you know? And so there are so many different ways we express love to one another. Yeah. And that's just something that we've learned in our marriage that um, one of the best advice I got when we were getting married and people offer you a bunch of unsolicited advice. Just like um, when you have a baby. Yeah, exactly. Just when you have a baby and they all want to touch the baby and they haven't washed their hands. Um, it's so irritating. <laughs> I'm sure I that can't, drives you crazy. Oh my gosh. Well, people don't do it when baby's with me because I just, I move her away or I like keep oh her covered gosh. in the stroller. Cause I'm like, what are you doing? Stop touching my kid. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, what was I even saying? Gosh, I don't, I don't even know. remember. Oh, the advice we got. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. The best advice I got was never stop being boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Because, like, that idea of, like, romance and putting in, like, romance requires work. Yes. It's not like the butterflies are going to last forever. Um, and, like, well, like, at least, like, like, in marriage prep, we learned about what we've talked, Jen and I talked about this in yes. a previous episode, the cycle of passion disillusionment and joy right it doesn't mean the butterflies still aren't there even in moments of disillusionment like when we see each other and we're like i love her but i'm really pissed at her right now <laughs> like the butterflies <laughs> are still there in that love part you know yeah. but it's also a sense that like you know it requires work like yes you know i have to make the conscious effort still to open doors for you and to bring yeah. you flowers and to yeah. you know um affirm you and tell you how much i love you and you know tell you what a great mom you are and Aww, you know all those different sweet. things you know um and i consciously can't forget to do that because right. that's something that w requires work requires constant effort it's yes. and it gets harder the longer you're together because mm -hmm. you become more accustomed to the other person. Yeah. And it's like, well, they're always around. Like, they're not going anywhere. You know, yeah. like, it's just part of you subconsciously starts to believe that. Right. And uh, you, you can get into a place where you're just suddenly like, what happened to us? If you're not like, you know, I see that happen to other couples. I'm yeah. not saying I've experienced that. But, like, um, sometimes I get that with myself. Like, what happened to me? I used to put in so much more effort, you know, mm -hmm. and then that'll remind me, you know, mm -hmm. um, but anyways, you know, it requires, marriage requires work. Yeah. I think people think when you find the one, it's just going to be like perfect and yeah. like, ah, uh -huh, but yeah. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. So how would we, what advice would we give to married people? Like how do you have a strong marriage and to keep things fresh? Fresh. I think always keep Gosh. dating, yes. you know, never stop dating. Yes. Um, what else? What else? Good question. Well, our faith is a huge part of our marriage. Yes. Like praying for and with each other every single night. And that's something we day. started only a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. We had our own prayer lives and we would talk about our prayer lives. Right. But it was like how often, and part of it had to do with our schedules were so crazy. Yeah. Um, where I, you would be gone before I woke up and yeah. when I got home, you would already be asleep for a while there yeah because um, of grad school yeah and that was pretty crazy so we didn't have an opportunity to i mean we could have i could have called you in the middle of the day and we could have prayed we together could. you know but um it didn't happen as naturally as right. like us saying hey we have the time now we're together at night like mm -hmm. let's make sure we're praying together as a family so um that's something that's definitely made our marriage stronger yes i like that um and i think always coming back to this communication piece yeah um i was very independent like I still am very independent. It's yes. hard for me to rely on other people. Um, I was just used to taking care of myself and just getting by. And you know, I had a job since I was 13 and, um, my parents were very loving, very, very awesome. And like, but kind of gave me free reign to do whatever I wanted. And so that kind of lent me to learn how to take care of myself and uh -huh. make decisions for myself a lot younger than I think most people. Yeah. Um, 
so I really struggle with opening up to people, being vulnerable, asking for help, asking for prayers. I'm not good at that. You know, I'm, I kind of, um, rationalize it away in my own mind and like, Oh, I know I'm a youth minister. I know how I'd youth minister myself. And so I just give myself the advice mm-hmm. I would give someone else. And then I don't, you know, ask for anything. And right. so, um, I think communication is so important because anytime I have had moments where I've opened up to you, um, or we've really need to talk about something serious or I need to vent to you about something, it's always made it stronger. Uh-huh. You know, um, that vulnerability is necessary. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else? Anything else about our marriage or about marriage in general? <laughs> I don't, cool. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've just said so much about yeah. it. Yeah. What about having a kid? How has oh, having yeah, a kid changed yeah. things? You talk about poo a lot. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you ask each other questions you never thought you would ask never, each other. Never, ever yeah. thought. Yeah. Like, how was the poop today? Did she poop today? Yeah. It's You talk about poop a lot, yeah. Did you suck out her boogers? Yeah. Like, <laughs> What? that's so weird yeah um i mean it changes everything and i feel like people say that but you don't really know until you've got one yeah you know um in so many ways it's made me love you in a whole different way Mm -hmm. like when you were reading to her before we started this (laughs) and i was brushing my teeth that's like my heart was like exploding with joy you know what I mean and when I see you with her and when she gives me looks that are your looks it's just like (laughs) oh yeah yeah you know um but it is hard to find time for just the two of us yeah and it's more like we we haven't had a time where we've had like a sitter and gone out and she's three months old yeah um she's a little yeah uh we probably could have but instead we Make sure we have time to check in with each other at the end of every day. Yes, you know, do. talk about our day, talk about what's going on tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you know, vent about things like, you know, yeah. we're, we're constantly checking in with each other mm-hmm. and communicating. And I think, you know, that's the biggest piece of all of this, I think, is so many people have to go to marriage and family therapy or counseling because we've lost the art as a culture of how to communicate right. because of social media, technology, text messaging, like things as subtle as body language and, you know, active listening and things like that are lost arts now. And I think remembering that we are in a covenant together, Mm -hmm. that you and I are the most important relationship because she's going to go off and do her own thing one day. Yeah. And we're going to be still like looking at each other like, whoa. Yes. What happened? Yeah. And I think too, like the whole faith aspect, like the fact that we're both Catholic and we're raising our daughter, you know, she's baptized now like that's something that we are you know we're going to raise a catholic family Uh is is important because so much of um secular culture when you take jesus out of the equation people don't realize that they're subconsciously looking for a messiah everywhere else Mm. and so think about the past election you know like everybody was looking for the perfect candidate and Anytime they have a single thing wrong with them, I'm talking about both sides, like it, it gets blasted everywhere because there's this sense that like we somehow subconsciously think they're supposed to be perfect when they're not, nobody's perfect, you know? Um, and we need to have someone who's like, you know, reasonable in office and this opinion we won't talk about right now, but, um, (laughs) whether you agree with that or disagree with that, um, whether he is rational or not or the right person or not, but yeah, but I'm talking about like, that is the part of the rhetoric, the unspoken rhetoric of that it applies so much to relationships. Mm -hmm. People are looking for a relationship to save them. Yeah. They're looking for the other person to kind of be their everything, everything they've always wanted, everything they're waiting for. And that is never gonna happen. Right. I mean, 
either spouse relationship. I see that a lot with kid relationship. Yeah, like people parent, trying to vicariously live through their right, kid. Right, where they're or like, they're my everything. Yeah. And like, I adore Hannah. I yeah. love her. But I know one day she's going to leave us and yeah. be her own person. Yeah. And that's great. That's yeah. what I want for her. And that's too much pressure to put on another person. Yeah. And so what's great about our faith is that like, if we're having struggles in our relationship, in our marriage, or if mm. I'm having struggles or frustrations with Hannah because she's a baby and she can't communicate with me and I get frustrated that she's squirming, you know, yeah. or whatever it is, I can always go to Jesus because he's my fulfillment. He's yeah, my everything. Definitely. You know, like, and he's never going to fail me. He is perfect. Right. He will never let me down. And I think that fact that we have that common place mm-hmm. to converge upon as a family brings us closer together. Right. Because like it's like if we're if we're all out in the cold and we see a campfire and we all converge on the campfire, we all get closer to each other, but we're also getting warmer. Yes. And Jesus is that warmth. Like nice. when we feel like, you know, yeah, Whoa. you know, it's like I make these things up for a living. Oh. Anyways. Boing, boing, boing. Um, um. <laughs> I was also gonna say like being Catholic, we really value Mama Mary. Yes. And being a new mom, oh, yeah. like I am just like Mama Mary I need you, girl. <laughs> and, like, I think she's really been helping me. Yeah. Because, like, I, I need a mother. Yeah. To pray for me, to be with me. And especially since we have a daughter. Yeah. And I worry about the world she grows up in. And how cool it is for us now as parents to think about Jesus as a baby. Oh, my gosh. I know. Because, like, we can experience the maybe the messiness and the craziness and the joy of what that was in a brand new way. Yeah. I never related to Christmas Jesus, like, mm. you know, before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I always saw Jesus as either stern when I was young, yeah. like, because I didn't understand him as a loving person. And then either as like Jesus on the cross dying for my sins or Jesus as like someone I can talk to as a friend. Right. I never ever, like younger than 30 Jesus, never related Mm. to in my entire life or even pictured him that way. And now that we have a baby is like, not only do I, can I see like, like, like she's passed out on the floor next to us. Like Jesus was like that. Like Jesus did that, you know? But then also, like, the way we look at her is how God looks at us. I know, which, that's what kills me. Oh, yeah. Like, that slays me at, like, three in the morning when I'm feeding her. (laughs) And just, like, loving her and just, yeah, she's just so beautiful. And knowing God looks at me with that much love, even when I'm screaming and kicking and crying and upset. Yeah. God's still like, you're so perfect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, like, I think the big theme of this, like, our marriage is communication and is that like Jesus is the center totally. like running after Jesus. And if those two things are present, I think in any relationship, like mm-hmm. a friendship, a family, mm-hmm. but especially a dating relationship, like it doesn't really matter if one's Catholic, one's not, it doesn't really matter yeah. what struggles you're going through. It doesn't really matter if you're practicing NFP and it's really difficult yeah. or if you have a really hard pregnancy or a miscarriage or you have struggles in your relationship. Like if you are passionate about communicating with the other person learning more about who they are and the intimacy you can share beyond just the sexual, the physical Mm -hmm. and keeping Christ at the center. Like you're going to have a good relationship and being open to that. Yes. Because I wasn't, I think the people sitting here now were not the people in 2010 who are sitting at that Starbucks. I think there's pieces of us, but being willing to be open to the change and like, you know? Yeah. And what's funny is like, you know, I don't know if you've had moments like this, but I know like (laughs) husbands think like this a lot is that they'll have like, like kind of harken back to the glory days moments uh-huh. where it's like, th- like fr- when life is frustrating right now, we'll think back like, 
remember when I was free and single, you know, and like, you know, you'll be like driving in your car and like the windows roll down and you're thinking about that and you're listening to old music. Totally. So you have moments like that. And then I play them forward in my mind. I'm like, Uh okay, let's say I was single right now. Right. Where am I? Who am I meeting? Am I going to bars to meet girls? Like, am I going to meet someone like Erica? What's my marriage going to look like? And then I just get stressed out. I'm like, I'm not going to find someone as good as my wife. Like, are you kidding me? And then I'm just like, why am I even thinking about this? And then I get so mad at myself. That's like, I think, I mean, I do have had that. Yeah. I think women do that too. Yeah. Because, and it's just natural. It's like, wasn't it easier then? Yeah, it was easier, but yeah. it also kind of sucked because, like, we are better people and we're better versions of ourselves because of what God has mm-hmm. allowed us to go through with each other and through each other. I mean, I think about that with Hannah when she's screaming. And I'm yeah. like, remember the days when there wasn't someone screaming in our house all yes. the time? Yeah. But then, like, looking at her, like, right now, it's like, how could we ever not have that? Yeah. Yeah. So... Maybe let's leave, like, a parting piece of advice for each one of those stages. Oh, shoot. So, like, we both don't have to say something, but if you've got anything. (laughs) So, if you're single right now, what is one thing we want to say to you who are single out there? If you allow Jesus to enter your life in, like, terms of relationships, he will lead you to the person if you're patient. Or the vocation. Or the vocation. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yes. Yeah. But just allowing and being patient. Yes. I would say there is not, you're not going to miss the one, like Ooh, I mentioned. Good one. You know, because anyone can be the one. You have to focus on making sure you're the right one that you need to be right now. So technically, Emma Watson could have been your one. True. Probably not, though. I, I feel like you really more. uncomfortable with that. <laughs> I like you a lot. More. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. If you're dating right now. Yes. This is really good advice that my one of my youth ministers once gave oh, me shoot. that I echo all the time. Okay. And this is just about like chastity. And we, we've talked about all of those different conversations you need to have. But uh-huh. this is just so good. Avoid dark horizontal situations. Perfect. You know? <laughs> That's, That's just, it. It's going to free you up so For much anything. in terms of your purity. Like you have no idea. Done. <laughs> I got nothing better. Cool. Um, if you're thinking about getting engaged. Or if you are engaged. Um... Go through marriage prep. Go through marriage prep. I would say, don't focus on the wedding. Focus on your marriage. Yes. Because yes. people are like all obsessed with the wedding. Yes. It's going to last six hours. And it's, it's going to be so stressful and sweaty and you're not going to remember 90% of it. And you're not going to eat. Yeah. You're going to be starving and yeah. then you're going to get back to the hotel and you're going to be exhausted. Yeah. Um, we went to bed at like nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, advice for people who are married. Oh boy. Get ready for that noise. Yep. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. Um, I would just say, just continue to try and enjoy one another and not take everything so seriously. You know, just really continue to just find new things. Yeah. Never stop being a boyfriend and girlfriend. I still think yeah, that's yeah, great yeah. advice. Um, and then people who are thinking about parenthood, discerning parenthood. Oh my gosh. I mean... I don't know. I think because we tried for so long, we wanted it so mm-hmm. badly. But I think you just really need to... I Here's what I'm going to say. It's never going to be the right time. Yes. You're never going to feel ready. You're never going to have enough money. Your work's never going to be perfect. Your relationship's never going to be perfect. That's true of any stage in life. Yes. But, you know, I think people explain away children the most because there's some part of them yeah. that knows how big a sacrifice it's going to be. Exactly. But there's such so much to 
be joyful about in that sacrifice. Yes. So much beauty in it yeah. that it's no matter no matter what difficulty any family has ever gone through, none of them regret their kids. No, you know, maybe really sick people do, but like I'm yeah. talking about the overwhelming vast majority. Absolutely. Even if people have had a really difficult family situation, really difficult pregnancy, or a pregnancy and a child just resulted, you know, in a lot of difficulty for them, mm-hmm. they would never say, "I I wish like." you know, what kids would I give up? You know, like yeah. which ones, which ones would you rather not have? You know, <laughs> right. they're never going to be able to answer that question. Cause it's just, you know, yeah, it's, it's always worth it. I mean, I sh- you shouldn't just like go for it, yeah. but like, yeah. And I, I will echo some advice. Someone, someone gave me was, um, when we were discerning, um, or when we were trying to have kids, uh-huh. people would ask me like, Hey, do you guys have any kids yet? Um, which as I said, don't ask people that question because you have no idea what pain it might bring up. And so instead of explaining the situation, I used to say to people, um, you know, what, whatever God wants, whenever God wants us to have kids. And one, uh, friend of mine named Bob, he, um, (laughs) I told him that and I didn't want to go into the whole situation. So it's like, Oh, whenever God wants us to have kids. And he looked at me dead in the eye. He was like, why wouldn't God want you to have kids? And I was just like, wow, you're right. Like, (laughs) why wouldn't he like love creates? Yeah. Love creates. That's just something. So yeah, that's our story a little bit. And so thanks for listening. Wow. This went on for a little while. Uh This is, this is try number three too, but I like how this one turned out. Okay, good. So good. I um, think we just needed food last time. Yeah. So I want to give you some resources really quickly. Um, this podcast we have, um, if you want to listen to a podcast about dating, we did that episode four. And then a, an episode about discernment, how to discern mm. big life decisions. Mm-hmm. That's episode five. And then we did a couple episodes about love, um, episode 13 and episode 25. So you could go back in the archives on our website, manofoodforthought.com, and check those out. Um, I highly recommend that you rent um, the Dating Project documentary on Amazon Prime, or you can buy cool. the DVD on Amazon. Um, and the book Dating Detox. If you've been in a toxic relationship and you kind of want like a 40-day guide or fast to kind of how to recover from that and rethink your relationships, um, get that that book. It's by Kevin and Lisa Cotter. They also have a podcast called How to Catholic um, that I would highly recommend. Uh, that book that Erica and I went through um, at the Arboretum and asked all those questions that have the eight sample dates in the back, that's called Boy Meets Girl, Say Hello to Courtship, and that's by Joshua Harris. Um, some other great books, Holy Marriage, Happy Marriage by Chris and Linda Padgett. Um, that, um, there's a Catholic dating site out there now that has some great blogs on it called Catholic Chemistry. And they have a recent blog um, called uh, When to Leave a Relationship. And that's a really good tester uh, discerning if a relationship might be, you know, someone you're dating might be moving in the direction of a committed relationship mm-hmm. or not. Um, one really good resource is like, I think a lot of Catholics have questions about like what what's the deal with certain sexual things? Like there's certain gray area things. So we have this book called Holy Sex um, by Gregory Popchak. And it has has a a long subtitle that's kind of an interesting one, but it's a very highly recommended book um, on my, I would highly recommend it to you if you have a lot of questions as a Catholic couple of like, you know, we really want to know the details of, you know, what, what the Catholic Church teaches about a lot of different, you know, sexual acts or what's appropriate in a marriage. Um, and no one really talks about that. Uh, the council of Trent, um, the podcast by Trent Horn. Um, he has an episode, his July 25th episode, what's okay for married couples to do sexually, um, is a really good summary of Hmm. some stuff in that book. Um, and so I would highly recommend that. 
Um, there's a podcast called Messy Parenting um, with Mike and Alicia Hernan. They're a Catholic family with 10 kids. And they talk all about just how to navigate that and different things that come up in the midst of having a big Catholic family. So, um, And then if you have questions about natural family planning, let us know. Um, you can visit www.creightonmodel.com. That's C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N model.com. And you use a great app to track and chart. Yes. Is called is it called Marionberry? It's called Marionberry. The Marionberry app. Yeah. So um, we'll try and put all that stuff in the show notes. Um, we hope those things are good resources to you as you're discerning different levels of your relationship, discerning if marriage is right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the greatest thing for both of us is that we discerned all the vocations before God led us to the right one because yeah. it was more about seeking after Jesus and not looking for another person to make us happy. Yes. Um, and he just led us to where we needed to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being on an episode with me, honey. Ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> this is awesome. I love you. I love you. And thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, support our podcast on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Rate and review it on whatever you're listening to it on. And until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye. Bye.